good morning, good morning. I hope you're doing well on this Easter Sunday morning. And uh, hope your family is well and uh, your loved ones. I want to welcome you uh, to our time of uh, digging into the Word of God this morning as we think about Jesus, our Lord, and what He went through for you and me today uh, on this day and the joy and the hope of the resurrection just lifts us up out of any pit we could ever find ourselves and puts us in a place where we have the greatest hope of all creation. That Jesus came, he died, and he rose again for you and for me. And with Christ and in Christ, you and I have hope. So we're talking about engaging Jesus and we're talking about two things that we want to take away from this kind of message, this series. And one is our personal engagement with Jesus and, and what that looks like, how we grow in our faith, how we're moving forward with Christ, how we're walking with him, maybe being more faithful to him each day. Our discipleship in Christ, you know, our growing and learning in Jesus. And the second thing is his engagement with the world through us our part in his redemptive work to the planet and to the creation, to people who are lost and dying. And uh, so Easter is about a resurrection. It's about your resurrection and my resurrection in Jesus. And then it's about Jesus using us to help other people be resurrected in Christ. And so it's an amazing uh, truth. It's an amazing time of the year to think about what Jesus did for you and me. That he conquered the grave. I can conquer the grave. You can conquer the grave. And we want to help other people conquer the grave. And so I hope you'll go with me today as we think through uh, as we think through what Jesus went through that final week of his life on this earth and, and what God was doing in Jesus. Last week we talked about his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, right? It was surrounded uh, by fulfilled prophecy that Jesus completed and fulfilled that the prophets spoke of hundreds and thousands of years earlier. It was an intense week that led to a painful, painful uh, end uh, that we're going to see as we dig into this week. So today, Jesus is going to engage with some people and some powers as he makes his way to the cross. Jesus, in this final week of his life on the planet, in the flesh, is going to go through all kinds of intensity and it's going to end on a cross. And in every situation, every turn, what we discover is the challenge that everyone faced to choose. The challenge to choose. And that's what you and I have got to face today as well. As we think about these things, as we think about the people that Jesus engaged with in these final days of his life, we are going to be faced as well with the challenge to choose who it is we're living for, who it is we serve, why we do what we do, what motivates us, and what is the thing behind our thinking when we do life, when we live on the planet as we do what we do. Who's in charge of our decisions, really? In these final days in the flesh, 
Jesus is going to go to war. He's going to go to war. He's going to go to spiritual war with the enemy. And he's going to engage with uh, several people in key ways. And, uh, and this week is full. This, this last week of his life is full of twists and turns and backstabbing and betrayals. It's an intense week for Jesus. And in the midst of the darkness... The disciples, those followers of Jesus that he called like three years ago to follow him and be his disciples and to carry on the mission of Christ, to pass that baton of faith to them, that they would in turn pass it on and one day we would get that baton in our hands and now we have it. Those disciples are, are going to have to really come to grips with their faith. What do we really believe? Who do we really trust? And will we trust Jesus when all chaos breaks out? Where is our faith when chaos breaks out? See, there will always be opportunity to bail out on Jesus. Every time you're faced with an important decision, a moral decision, a temptation that comes your way, we are faced with an opportunity to honor God or to bail out on God. To represent the Christ we claim to serve or to turn our backs and go a different direction. And what we're going to see in this final week is there's some people that come into Jesus's life that he engages with that have to make that choice. And through it all, Jesus is going to have to choose for himself, first of all, his own path. And then he's going to call those others that he comes in contact with to choose for themselves as well. So the first person that we come in contact with in this week, and Jesus comes in contact with a number of people, but one of the first ones I want to point out is this, this, this engagement Jesus has with Judas. Judas. You and I, we all remember Judas. Remember a number of things about Judas. Most of them are not good. Judas is the guy that when you talk about, it isn't a pretty thing. It isn't a pretty sight. It's full of like greed and selfishness and personal gain. Judas. We think about the Judas kiss when he betrayed Jesus in the garden and kind of pointed the guards to the one that was Jesus. And he gave Jesus that kiss. Luke 22 says, but the hand of him who's going to betray me is with mine on the table. We're in the upper room. Judas is right there with Jesus. And Jesus says, the son of man will go as it has been decreed. In other words, Judas is, is, is playing a role that he has chosen to play, but God knew it from the beginning. Woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. And so Judas, the one who held the money and kept the purse strings, who had some form of power among the group because he was in charge of the numbers, that person, Judas, had to make a choice. And Judas chose fortune over faith. When it came down to it, he chose to face money and turn his back on Jesus. Another person that we see Jesus comes in contact with is Peter. 
Another engagement is with Peter. Peter's been a disciple like Judas for a long time, all three years. He's one of those 12 that Jesus called to follow him. And in Luke 22, the scripture says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. So the devil is going to go to work on all of them. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. And so Peter, we know about Peter. Peter's that strong fisherman guy, you know, that brute force kind of guy, that guy that will just break things with his bare hands, that, that Peter that will jump out of the boat. He'll do whatever it takes to get a job done. He's, he's full of energy. He's full of strength. And he is Peter. He is like Peter the rock or the pebble. He is Peter. But Peter, when chaos broke out, and the chips were on the line, Peter, in that moment, chose popularity over commitment. And Peter chose to turn his back on Jesus and act as if he didn't even know him. His third engagement uh, that Jesus has is, is with a group of people, but we're going to call this his engagement with Pilate. It's really with Pilate and the powers to be, others that are in power, religious leaders that are in power, but Pilate is the one who's going to have the final say in the end. And so this is Jesus's engagement with Pilate. You remember as the week progressed, mainly really we're at the end of the week when, when he's arrested in the garden and now he's brought before these religious leaders. He stands before them. First, it's religious leaders. It's Annas. Annas is uh, Caiaphas's father-in-law, and so he's a, a religious leader among them, and Jesus is brought to him, and then Jesus is brought to Caiaphas, and then Jesus is brought before the, the Sanhedrin, which is a group of uh, either 23 or 71 uh, elders of the Jewish community there that are the, the elders. They're, the, they're supposed to be the wise counsel of the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. And what happens in all of that, be, Jesus being brought to these men, is that they agree that Jesus needs to be put to death. And so his engagement with the religious leaders ends with them all saying, he must die. Then Jesus is brought before the Roman leaders. So he stands before religious leaders. Now he's going to stand before the Roman leaders. And so he's led off to face Pilate, first of all, and Pilate learns where Jesus is from, and he says, well, you know what? He's not in my jurisdiction. Take him to Herod. And so Jesus is brought to Herod, and Herod, Herod knows Jesus is coming, and he is glad to see Jesus because Herod has heard a lot about Jesus. He's heard about the miracles Jesus has done. He's heard about things that Jesus has done that people are saying that Jesus did. But it doesn't seem like Herod actually met Jesus yet. And so he's anxious to see Jesus do something like miraculous, like do a trick for us, Jesus. And so Herod spends time questioning Jesus, asking him questions. And while he's doing this, the religious leaders, probably the Sanhedrin, are all standing around listening to what Herod is asking and talking to with Jesus, and Jesus throughout this whole process remains completely silent. 
He doesn't say a word. Like a lamb before his shears, he is silent. And so Herod charges Jesus with contempt. He has a robe put on Jesus, and they mock and make fun of Jesus. And then Herod sends Jesus back to Pilate. And so now Jesus is before Pilate a second time, and Pilate is questioning him, and Pilate decides that he's going to offer the crowd of people out in front that have gathered there, he's going to offer them a choice. Do you want to, me to release to you Jesus or this criminal by the name of Barabbas? Now Barabbas, according to Mark chapter 15, is a known criminal. He's a rebel. He's an insurrectionist, and he has a group of people, and they, have, they, they, they murder people. They are accused of murder. Mark chapter 15, verse 7, tells us about Barabbas. So Barabbas is a known criminal evil guy. Jesus is an innocent guy that has done nothing wrong. And so Pilate says, which of these two do you want me to release to you? Now Pilate is sitting on his judgment seat, and he is doing everything he can to avoid the responsibility of what happens to Jesus. Pilate is having to make a choice. And in that choice, he's trying to decide, do I even want to be a part of what's going to happen next? Well, what happens is his wife, Pilate's wife, has this dream the night before. And so she sends word to Pilate while he's in the middle of this situation with Jesus and Barabbas and the crowd and she says to him have nothing to do with this Jesus because Jesus is a righteous man and so now Pilate is thinking about all this what his wife said his her dream that she had who Jesus is what he heard from Jesus what he hears the crowd say what he hears the religious leaders say and he is in the middle of a of a turmoil of turmoil this, this, this hurricane of decisions and ideas and pressure, and it's getting intense for Pilate. And so he says to the crowd, who do you want me to release? And the religious leaders have already stirred up the crowd, and so they begin to yell, release Barabbas, release Barabbas. And he says, what do you want me to do with this Jesus? And they all yell, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate says, what evil has Jesus done? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify him, crucify him. And in John 18, verse 6, Pilate says, take him yourself and crucify him. I find no fault in him. But... The religious leaders say, he claimed, this Jesus has claimed to be the Son of God. And that made Pilate even more nervous, this claim of Jesus. And so he takes Jesus out and he has another discussion with Jesus. And the religious leaders are there again and they're insisting that he must be put to death. And Pilate says, here is your king. And they don't want any part of Jesus being a king. They want Jesus dead. 
in, in Matthew chapter 27, it says this, when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was beginning, he took water, he washed his hands in front of the crowd, and he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. It's on us and on our children. And so Pilate then releases Barabbas and he allows them to go ahead and execute Jesus. The religious leaders chose the powers to be in the religious circle of the day chose to kill the Christ. And Pilate went along with it. He went along with this evil plot to put an end to Jesus. His next engagement is with another person by the name of Simon. Now Jesus is beaten and he's flogged and now they're headed to Golgotha and it says this and when they had mocked him and they took off his purple robe and put on his regular clothes on him then they led him out to crucify him and a certain man from Cyrene Simon the father of Alexander and Rufus was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. So Simon now comes into play. He's a complete stranger. He doesn't know what's going on. He's out in the country. He comes in and, and, and there's this parade of people uh, leading Jesus to Golgotha to be executed. And Jesus is carrying a cross and he's been beaten and he's gone without much food and much sleep for the week. And he's weak and he's weary and he's hurting and he's bleeding and he's just been whipped and tortured. And now Jesus is struggling to carry the cross. And here comes Simon, this guy. He just comes in. He's got his two boys, Rufus, right? Rufus and Alexander. And the scripture says that they pressed him into service. He didn't willingly say, hey, I'll do it. He was somewhat forced to carry the cross, probably very reluctant. This is just some peasant guy out there in the country, happens to be walking by, and they grab him, and they throw him in there, and they say, hey, you, go carry the cross for Jesus. And these are Roman soldiers. They got swords. They got spears. What are you going to say? No. And so he is pressed into getting his hands dirty with Jesus and it says by force, not by choice. Simon, Simon. And the final engagement that we see as Jesus is being led to the cross is his engagement with Satan. His engagement with Satan. The, the forces of good and evil are going to battle in this whole process of leading to the cross. And Satan is doing his very best to put an end to Jesus. The plotting, the lies, the deceit, the swaying of the crowds, the tempting of even his own, Jesus' own followers. In his free will, Satan decided to rebel against the Lord, the God of all creation. He decided to go his own way and do his own thing. And in his dark, evil plotting, the devil 
pushed and twisted Jesus all the way to this final moment in time. It was good versus evil. Where death, where death itself, that, that final tool in Satan's bag, that final weapon of the devils that causes people to, to come to an end of their time on earth and enter into eternity to face judgment, that final weapon of Satan's death would snuff out even the Son of God in Satan's twisted plotting against God's only Son. It was the darkest day on the planet ever in time and history. When the Messiah, the promised one of God, the only hope for mankind, the only power on the planet that came to earth that could reverse the curse of the garden sin and the sin that plagues all of us, Jesus, God's one and only son. And Satan had weaved his evil plan and Jesus now is being nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. And finally, Satan had his way. And he put an end to this mission of Jesus's to redeem the world. And now Jesus is nailed to the cross. And there he hangs, helpless and hurting. The sacrificial lamb for the world hanging on a cross. And in the first three hours, they put a sign above Jesus that said, King of the Jews. Jesus had a conversation with the two men that were hanging on crosses on his right and his left. They were robbers. They were thieves. They were criminals. They deserved to be there. He did not. And during those first three hours, they mocked and they hurled their insults at Jesus. And they made fun of Jesus. And they humiliated God's only son, Jesus, as he hung there on a cross for you and me. And in the next three hours, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness came upon the whole earth. And Jesus cried to his father and said several things to, to his father. They took a sponge and dipped it in sour wine and put it in Jesus' mouth to give him a little more energy and to wet his lips so he could say a few more things. And then Jesus said these words, it is finished. In those final moments of breath, Jesus said, it is finished. And then he breathed his last breath. The Son of God breathed his last breath. His chest stopped filling with air. His heart stopped beating and pumping blood to his organs. His brain activity ceased to fire. And the Son of God had breathed his last breath. And there was a time of silence. And in that time of silence, when Jesus breathed his last breath and died, the devil, Satan himself, smiled. The enemy thought he won. And for a moment it appeared 
that he did. He had reached his finish line, and now Jesus was dead. Satan, that fallen rebel from heaven, had defeated God's one and only son. And now Satan could rule and separate souls from the Father. Kill, steal, and destroy. His master plan could continue. And then, and then, the ground began to shake. And the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And the rocks began to shake and split open. And tombs were open and people were raised from the dead. And the guards trembled with fear. And they said, surely that is the Son of God. And Satan began to wonder if it is finished meant it is finished or I am finished. And then Friday night and all day Saturday, Silence covered the universe. People wondered what would happen next. People wondered if this was truly the end of this Jesus. And Jesus lied dead in the tomb. No heartbeat, no brain activity, no lungs pumping air. Flatlined and dead. And then came Sunday, the third day, the first day of the week, that third day. And the ladies went to check on the tomb, and the stone had been rolled away, and Jesus was not there. His grave clothes were, but he was not. And an angel of the Lord said, he has risen from the dead, just as he said he would. Go and tell the others. Oh, death, where is your Sting, where is that deathly sting, O oh death? Grave, where is your victory? See, Satan engaged with Jesus, and he thought that he had finished Jesus off for good. And little did he know that this was the day that the finish line would become the starting line. And hope for all of mankind would be revealed. See, Satan chose Rebellion over obedience, and for it he was crushed. His evil plotting plan was put to death as Jesus rose from the grave and rose from the dead. See, in Jesus, we get a redo. In Jesus, we can have new life. In Jesus, we can be born again. In Jesus, we conquer the spiritual death and the grave itself. And we pass from death back into life in Jesus because he went before us. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, despising what the, the cross stood for, the separation of his own soul from his Father and the separation of all of mankind from the Father, God's creation that he made in his own image. Jesus despised the, the shame of the cross and conquered the grave and sat down at the right hand of the Father. 
And you see, the challenge to choose is always before us. Whose will will you follow? Whose will are you going to follow? Whose will will we follow? Each and every day, when faced with a pot of gold or a bag of money like Judas, when faced with or challenged about our popularity or our faith in God like Peter, or when called to pick up the cross like Simon, or when you have the upper hand like the religious leaders and the Roman leaders in Pilate, when tempted by the evil one, in your God-given free will, what will you and I choose? What will we choose? Each day, as we live and consider the empty tomb, how are we going to make decisions? How are we going to live our lives? Whose will are we going to follow? Let me urge you to choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. Have you been born again? Have you given your life to Christ? Have you surrendered your will to him? Have you engaged with Jesus and been forgiven of your sins? Jesus, right now, is calling you. He's calling you. He's urging you, trust him. Obey him, and you will pass through this life and into eternal life forever. Only in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Choose this day. Let Jesus be Lord and Savior of your life. Father, please draw us close to you, God. Show us in our own life where we are wandering from you, where our motives are not right and in lined up with you, God. Draw us close. Help us to trust you and to choose you no matter what we're faced with in this world. To you, God, be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We have hope because of Jesus. I hope you'll put your trust in him. And then I hope you'll go and tell others so that they too might put their trust in Jesus as well. God bless you guys. Have a great week.